In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. Today we're watching Highlander, and no introduction of Highlander would be complete without reaffirming the fact that there can only be one. And today, that one guest is Kevin Mosteller. So, Kevin, is Highlander a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? Well, I think it, uh, it has not been remade. Um, there have been, God, like eight sequels in a television series uh something that, like that. many it's not eight it's like four or five it's a lot it's an egregious wow. amount of sequels and like nine series uh seasons of a television series especially considering the whole tagline is there can only be one and yeah. then there's not yeah and i guess there's not um so, you also know that they're in pre-production on a, a new Highlander movie, right? Like an actual Highlander remake. I had read that it's been in like yeah. active, like active uh, development for a long time. I guess Ryan Reynolds was attached to it at one point. Which that's terrible casting. I know. <laughs> oh God, so I bad. don't like that. No, I don't either. But uh, I don't like most of the remakes that come out. So fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back to Ideal Remake. Thank you so much for coming back. This oh, man. was great, and I'm so excited we get to talk about this movie together. Yeah, same. So happy to be here. I, I love this movie. It's an old childhood favorite. So Yeah, do you remember when you first saw it? I do. Uh, so this was, like I said, a, like a childhood favorite of uh, my uh, dad was massive, still is, massive, massive Queen fan. And so a part of Highlander is the Queen score, or not score, the Queen soundtrack. And so that movie was always floating around our house. Uh, We had like a Channel 5 tape of it. They used to do Movies Till Dawn, which was like, it would start at like 3 and run till 5 in the morning on Channel 5 in in L.A. (laughs) And it, uh, (laughs) so uh, we had an old, like, poorly edited version of Highlander edited for TV that we watched over and over again. And, uh, yeah, as we got older, we were able to see the uncut version, uh, seeing all the sequels in the theater. They were all terrible. What exactly happens in the sequels? Are they like kind of prequels in time of like tracking him through history or is it, are there now more Highlanders? So most of them are, uh, the television show actually did a, a, uh, a good thing of like, We know, okay, so Highlander was the end, but this is like, let's say the middle, and this is another guy who eventually gets killed, uh, you know, eventually loses the game, right? Um, This is where he goes and meets uh, Sunda Castigar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm I'm glad you dropped that name, because I wanted to bring him up later. Yeah, he's great. I recast him. Yeah, so did I. Um, I I gave him a bigger role too. Um, I think he deserves a bigger role. Yeah, he's great. He's great. I have, I have theories and plans, but like your, your knowledge of of this like franchise is, is bigger than mine. So I'm going to be asking some questions. Sure. Sure. Um, because in the first movie, it sure seems like Connor McLeod is the Highlander. It's not that everyone's a Highlander. No, he's, he's the one Highlander because he's from the high, the Scottish Highlands. Yes, that's that is correct. And then that term has just kind of like come to encompass all of them at this point, which I think is dumb. That kind of worked its way into the lexicon. It was never really it was always that he he was just Highlander as a nickname, right? Cuz he was mm-hmm. the the one immortal from the Highlands uh of mm-hmm. Scotland. 
that kind of like weaseled its way into pop culture a little bit that they're all highlanders um in the same way it's like uh frankenstein versus frankenstein's monster exactly that is that is a perfect analogy um but yeah so so you know the original movie without any sequel planning was um definitely his story so the title made sense but the more you went along yeah the more you went along the the more but, you kind of <laughs> so is is there a ter- like a collective noun for this group of immortals or is it just you're immortal you're one of these special people I don't think there's a collective noun for them I think it I think it is just immortal you're you're one of them there's no mm-hmm. like they're the secret immortal club or you know league of extraordinary gentlemen or whatever so, so it's my next question is is like because it's not like they all popped up at the same time like. The Kurgan was two thousand years old. Uh, Ramirez was like a thousand something years old, and they were just kind of like systematically like going through and living their lives. But like Connor McLeod is almost like the last one because he's four hundred something years old and pops up and is just like, oh well, let me tell you about what's going on. Right, he was he was essentially a like a baby a baby Highlander or baby immortal. See, look, I'm even doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, because, like, in my head, it'd be like, this thing happens, and then they all kind of have to find each other. But no, it's just, like, it's all sporadically, and then they just, like, feel it in their bones, like, oh, no, it's the gathering. I guess mm-hmm. they're done popping up, time to go. Right. So, the the thing through, and that, I guess, gets into the quickening, uh, which is is also the other big fantasy element. But the quickening is supposed to be like their superpower, right? Like they're, they feel it in their bones, their spidey sense that there's another one around. And it gives them, you know, s- strength. And when they wind up slicing one of the heads off of, of another immortal, they get that strength. And they get that, uh, you know, soul energy or whatever transferred yeah, that, to them. That is definitely what the movie said. Yeah. But it didn't feel like that's what happened. It was more like the quickening. They 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 could certainly certainly sense each other, and then but when one of them died, there was like this big orgasm moment, and right. then they went back to being exactly the same. Yeah, the the movie didn't really uh, didn't really touch on it. it. Like the the exposition in this movie, which is why I know some people have a hard time following it, is that it it just kind of always is like this is the world we're in. Like nobody knows why it just is. Yeah, I don't necessarily need an explanation. Yeah. But but it it certainly felt like the things that they did tell us, they told us, but it never happened. Like, they didn't show us. It was tell and no show. Right. Like, until Like, until the very end when, uh, like, the Highlander wins, he kills the Kurgan, and then a demon eats him, and he's super-powered. Right, right. That's the only time when it was, like, new and different and weird. Well, that's him winning the prize. That that right. was that was him getting the be all end all power. Right, like that was the only time when he became different than he had been prior to killing someone. Right, right. That that so, I do agree with, but they yeah. I so guess I have a pitch. I have a pitch for that, but I'm sorry. Fine. Keep going. No, no, no. I, I guess that's uh, you know the visual of uh, of um, you know getting electrocuted by phantom <laughs> things <laughs> and cars blowing up is is enough to say that something's happening. Um, the director yeah. of this movie was a music video director, and and boy does it show. 
Yeah. <laughs> it it's a mess. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> lot of cool shots. The queen music helps. Um it does. a lot of cool shots, but they're they're disjointed. They don't match. <laughs> uh and it is a little jarring now, you know. Watch it. Sorry. No, uh Keep going. I was interrupting you. No, I was just saying, watching it as a kid, it was it was totally fine. You didn't notice, right? It was just this cool, like, essentially two-hour, hour-and-a-half rock video. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, but you watch it, you know, you, you've made a few films yourself, or, you know, you're you're kind of used to it, and, and yeah, it's a bit it's a bit jarring, <laughs> some of the shots. I mean, it's definitely a movie that has, like, even the whole training montage and all of that fun stuff. Oh, yeah. Probably one of the longest training montages in history. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. They're immortal. They can take as much time as they want. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, 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 was, it was interesting, especially like, and the thing everyone makes fun of, it's like, oh, well, they've cast this French guy as a Scottish person, and they cast the Scottish person as uh, Egyptian by way of French. Right. He was also in Spain and Japan at the same or, time. Sh- Egyptian by way of Spain. Right, right. And, and then uh, he had this super cool sword that he only made one of, and that was the, what gave him away, because it was a sword where the metal was folded over itself a bunch of times. Right, and that was which, something that they couldn't have done at that with that technology at that time. Yeah, uh, I also, um, I'm, I should have asked his opinion on this, but I forgot. But I'm, I'm friends with, like, someone who, I think you've met, Zach Luna, who's been a guest on this show before, and, like, he mm-hmm. knows swords. And I don't think that's a thing. No, it's not. It's it's something they invented for for this uh, to make. But it. they've used it in other places too. Like even in Game of Thrones, the Valyrian steel swords are folded over on themselves hundreds of times, mm. and that's like that's part of what makes them so magical and special. It might just be what they would call techno babble. You know, like just mm. to to why is this sword so damn strong? Right, like fantasy babble. You yeah, say. fantasy babble. There we go. <laughs> um, I do have to say, on, on the casting note, my favorite line in the entire movie is Sean Connery mispronouncing Bandejo. Um, when he calls him, all right, Bandejo, now we're going to teach you how to fight or some, some such whatever he says. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize this ahead of time, but it looks like uh, August is going to be my month of Sean Connery. Oh, yeah? Are you doing yeah, Zardoz? Well- no, the last uh, movie uh, I talked about, the one I recorded yesterday, is Avengers. Oh, nice the the uh, the television show version, yeah the yeah the ni- the nineteen ninety eight movie with uh, uh, Ray Fiennes and uh, Uma Thurman right. and Sean Connery. I forgot he was in that. Yeah, yeah, he's the villain in the teddy bear suit. That's right. Oh my god, how did I forget that? It movie's so weird. Yeah, um, but let's talk about this weird movie. Sure. So. How much, like, so you said that you saw the Canada Expanded Universe, you watched the TV show and everything. Mm-hmm. What are some of the, like, key components that make for a Highlander movie? Like, what are the important tent poles that we need for Highlander? A, a definite imposing villain, a bit like a big bad for sure. Yes. Um, it, and some, so here's the thing. The sequels are all different. <laughs> Um, the Highlander 2 is probably my favorite bad sequel of any movie ever just because it's so weird so Highlander 2 it turns out that they're aliens from another planet Um, and so it takes place in American future where Connor McLeod is an old man and the ozone has completely collapsed on itself 
and Connor McCloud uses his knowledge that he won from the prize in the first film uh, as an old man to build a ray shield that is like basically a fake ozone. Well, now new Highlander, or excuse me, see, I'm doing it. Uh, yeah, new. But we have no other word for them, right? So let's just call them Highlanders. Let's do what everybody else does. Uh, I guess, yeah. So new Highlanders are coming in from this planet, and they. This is where they change the mythology, where all Connor McCloud has to do is kill another immortal, another Highlander, to get uh, the, the quickening back. back. Yeah, he gets his youth back. He's an old man. And mm-hmm. this guy comes from a future flying on a gri- uh, glider like uh, Green Goblin. And uh, <laughs> he he winds up tricking him to fall under a train. And the train takes the guy's head off. Suddenly he's young Connor McCloud again after after the big orgasmic you know, quickening storm. And then here's the best part. All he has to do is call Ramirez's name. And Ramirez will come back and reappear. So Sean Connery is in it. And it's like, what? Why? Yeah, because uh, they I guess they wanted to put the gang back together. Oh, that makes no sense. That's so, so dumb. So here's the subplot of the movie. Or actually, I guess it is the plot. Uh, the shield that Connor McCloud built around the Earth to, you know, uh, like the fake ozone or whatever... Has now sure. has now been corporatized. It's now owned by a corporation who is an evil corporation who is keeping it running, uh, you know, and charging for it. And uh, now it's it's kind of tackling the '80s greed of it all. And so it turns out that there's this secret resistance group who's trying to shut down their their I guess Antifa, uh, future Antifa I guess, or what people Good. think Antifa is. I mean, as long as it's anti-fascist, I'm for it. And actually, yeah, it is. It is technically anti-fascist. So, um, Sounds great. So, yeah, uh, they, they're they led by Virginia Madsen, and they team up to shut down the shield because the shield is no longer needed. The ozone has repaired itself. It was only supposed to be temporary. So on top of that, this dictator... Highlander, immortal dictator, comes from another planet from another planet to fight McCloud because he has some beef from centuries ago on a different planet. I can't remember the name of the planet, but it's something ridiculous. And so he has to both Land Hire. Yeah, Land Hire, yes, that's where it's <laughs> it's from Landscott. Uh you know. But uh so the they have to shut down the shield and fight this big bad played by Michael Ironside, who's really great in it. <laughs> Fair. Michael Ironside's usually pretty good. Yeah, he's he's an excellent villain. But that's that's the plot of this movie. So they have to team up and shut down the sci-fi shield and also fight new new immortals. Got and it. It's one of the right. most bizarre sequels ever made. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on the plus side, cool. We're going to ignore all of that. Yeah, but. Uh, also, that gives us a little bit of free reign to kind of do what we want, because if the whole Highlander mythology is subject to change, that means that we can do what we want as well. That is exactly what I did, because it's it, it got so mired in different things. and Yeah. You know, so... It was also limited a little bit, I think, by the scope of what it was capable of doing. Mm-hmm. So I think that we're now 40 years since. It came out in 82... I think it was 86. 86. All right, yeah. fine. 
35 years. 35, yeah. And what I think we can do is... So one of my big things is I want to visually represent gaining the power of the people you kill. Mm -hmm. And I think you can do that by each individual Highlander having a different superpower. Okay. That's that's an interesting approach, such as... Well, because they keep talking about how Kurgan is this incredibly strong Highlander. Like, literally, his power can be immense strength. And they even hint at it a little bit in this movie when... um, when Connor's sneaking up on Ramirez, he like sneaking up, sneaking up, sneaking up, raises his sword. Ramirez is gone. And like, I would give Ramirez kind of like small teleportation, like can kind of like pop around kind of thing. And when Kurgan kills Ramirez, now all of a sudden Kurgan has that ability. Right. Okay. That's, that's definitely an interesting approach. I always thought it was like skill that they had acquired over the years and the strength of, of the soul that they that they take is what makes them the strong. I that would be great, but we don't have a visual way of representing that. Yeah, and I feel like literally stealing the superpowers from different people is a good way of doing it, and it's also a good uh, like shorthand of all of a sudden Kurgan is using Sunda Castier's power, and it's like, oh no, you killed Sunda. No, that's a good way to to and visually represent it. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to do was. I, I really like this as a way for Kurgan to taunt Connor is to use the powers of the people and friends that he's killed. Mm-hmm. And I also think that that can then work to be his eventual undoing if he's attacking with Sunda's power and then he starts using Ramirez's ability, which is like, because like, I killed your friend, I killed your friend, I killed... Sure. But of course, it's Ramirez's ability. So if there's any ability that Connor already knows how to counter, it's this one. And right. so it's like, oh, I know how to fight Ramirez. You're using Ramirez's power. Great. I do this, and that's how I win. So it's because Kurgan gets an overinflated... Like, Kurgan loses because of his own ego, because he's the strongest. Right. So it's like a cocky, you know, Yeah, it's showboating. Move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also kind of like the fun twist of, like, everyone says, oh, Kurgan, he's the strong one. He's the strength. But then, like, we get this reveal in the middle of the fight that that was never my power. That was the first power I stole. My power is this. Oh, no, this other thing. And it's like he's kept this, like, extra bonus thing secret because he's like, it's it's his ace in the hole. Right. He's killed so many people over the years that he's got everybody's power, essentially. Yeah. So so he's using everything that he's got and keeping his own as a secret. Basically. It's like, did you ever watch... uh, Season one of Heroes and only season one of Heroes? I have never seen Heroes, actually. That's one I missed. Fair enough, then uh, never mind. Ah, well, you can still there, tell me. <laughs> there are there are two characters in that show who have the ability to gain other characters' powers, but through different means. Okay. Uh, uh, one of them, it's like proximity. The other one has to like take them. And it's like, but when the two of them go up against each other, it's like all these different di- kinds of powers colliding. And it's so cool. Season one of Heroes is great. The end. It's a shame they never made more. Mm. Yes. I, I remember the one season that was made, and I remember thinking, man, I should watch that, and never did. <laughs> it, it is worth your time. I do genuinely enjoy that first uh, and only that one season. And there's there's interesting stuff in the later seasons, but they just they, they don't quite capture the magic anymore. But like kind of that idea of just like you get to see them get stronger over the course of the movie by by going full Mega Man and gaining the power of all the uh, the bad guys they defeat along the way. Sure, sure. Everyone loves Mega Man. Yeah, everybody loves Mega Man. That's that's the best part, right? 
Um, so that that that's one of my like changes to uh, the the lore. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that, like I had two kind of big ones, like for story reasons and because I for the cool visual element that was one of them. Okay. The other one is, and I warned you about this ahead of time, but I definitely made Connor female. Yeah, uh, I did as well. Um, and it's I think we're going probably going to go in two different directions with our pitches, but I, fair. I, I sat there and I thought a lot about it, and I really really like the uh, one of the other things that like uh highlander really really needs in in each of its films is flashbacks to different points in history yeah absolutely Um, so i really really loved the idea of of watching it from a woman's perspective because historically they've been you know kind of considered second class citizens until the 1900s so yeah absolutely it would be absolutely interesting to see. And you never, in any of the movies, they never had a female Highlander. <laughs> female. Which, which uh, is dumb. Yeah, very dumb. So, anyway. Uh, yeah. I, I, really think, uh, I really think that's an interesting approach. And it, to be honest with you, why remake a movie without taking a different perspective on it, right? Yeah, exactly. The first one still exists. We're not erasing that one. So right. So uh, let's play around with the format a little bit. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about, like, because you said that you had some ideas and changes as well that you wanted to make. Tell me about them. Absolutely. So my, uh, do you want me to just uh, jump into, a, like, a pitch or? Yeah, jump into a pitch. We're not doing casting yet, but, t- but yeah, do yeah, a yeah. pitch. So I want to make this a love story. I, I'm very, very interested in, as, as we discussed, I'm very interested in making this a uh, kind of an immortal love story. It doesn't start that way. But um, like we discussed, Connor. Uh, I guess we can still call her Connor. Is that a is that a, a name for? We can come up with that later if we can't. But I don't see any reason not to call her Connor. Yeah. So Connor McLeod is um, been in a relationship with another immortal throughout for the past, let's say, two or three hundred years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, they had their own journey before, and that's what I would like to tell in the flashback portion of how female Connor uh, essentially meets her her current beau, I guess. Um, and I'll get to that. There's a point why I want to do that. Um, we definitely need a big bad in there, and I do yes. think we need a Kurgan. And what I want to do with that is I want to kind of pull the old bait and switch the red herring make the kurgan the red herring and with these two remaining lover highlanders uh i want them to have to go up against the kurgan and maybe the the male who i actually made castigear i figured Um, that's where you were going yeah so i wanted him to fight the kurgan and then get to a losing point and then have connor come and take out the kurgan and then the rest of the movie is now these two lovers who have to fight for the prize. Whereas Connor would could say something like, you know, I, why, why don't we just remain, we're the last two, why don't we just remain immortals? And some of the things I wanted to do throughout the historical flashbacks is show these two people always on the right side of history, helping out, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, part of the Underground Railroad or, you know, uh, fighting in World War II or... Yeah, killing the Nazis, saving uh, Rachel. Yeah, which actually I think was a deleted scene. I don't remember that. Last night was the first time I saw that. <laughs> was it? Yeah. I Because I, I feel like they'd had that scene 
they needed that. I don't think it was because of the like. There's the whole he says later. It's a kind of magic. Yeah, that's still in there at the end. But I never. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that that scene with the Nazi before. Interesting. Um, but anyway, I always wanted to. See I'm glad that. it was there. Like I, I'm fully in favor of that scene. Oh, absolutely. I liked it, it was, a lot. As far as I'm concerned, it was the best Connor scene in the entire movie. <laughs> sure, it was very charming in that moment. I I really think I don't know it. It was cut for time. I, I swear I've never seen it before, which. Is great. I believe you. Watching yeah. something new of one of yeah. these movies I've seen a million times. Right. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but this time it did. Yeah, no, it was great. I, I really wish it was in the original. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, wanted- I I like your idea. I actually am fully on board with this idea, and I see no reason to not do that. And mm-hmm. I find I also find that super interesting. Like, the idea of... Because that was one of the other things I wanted to talk about. Like, they keep saying there can only be one, but why? Right. It's like they feel it in their bones. There can only be one. All right. Right. Well, so the original. Kinda... Like it's, they are immortals who have to kill other immortals in order to win the right to die. Essentially. Which the whole idea of like being immortal is very painful. Watching everybody grow old and die that you love. And, you know, not being able to really get close to anybody. I understand the like. The, the connection there, I guess. Sure, absolutely. To, to the human, you can't really be a human being, and which is where I want to take it, actually, in terms of also the ethereal kind of religious aspect of the quickening, which it always felt a little religious to me, I guess. I, I don't know about, I don't know if religion is the right word, but definitely ethereal, right? Like a fantasy yeah. ethereal. So I, I believe that... Um, these two lovers who were, let's just say, Connor and Castigier, they uh, wind up having to face off with each other. And our lead, Connor, is like, why don't we just continue keeping doing what we've been doing, which is helping people throughout history, you know, yeah. throughout time. And the other Castigier saying, no, this is this is what we've spent our entire life doing. And I can't do this anymore. Like, I, you know, this is we have to. We have no choice, and he becomes very um, like uh, righteous about it. He becomes very yeah. righteous about it. From there, we see see that he comes out and says, "Like I was gonna take the bullet. I was gonna get killed by the Kurgan, so we didn't have to do this because I knew we were the last three. Mm-hmm. But now we have no choice, right? So yeah. And then the big face off is, you know, our lead has to kill her." husband lover whatever of of 500 some odd years and winds up winning but at the end she really didn't win so yeah no i i think that is a far more dramatic arc than the one they gave us and i like that a lot better yeah because it's it's one of those whole things of like all right well what happens if you end up and it's just two people who were on the same side the whole time and i i fully agree with this idea and i like it I still want to add in the extra uh, aspect of different powers, and they're all like, it's if, even if it's the last three, they it's, they all have like a ridiculous skill set that they've built up over hundreds, if not thousands, of years. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It's like the kind of like all the X Men in three people. <laughs> yeah, or it's like that those weird moments where when like occasionally like Rogue takes everyone's powers and is just like, I am all of the X Men. Right. Right. And that's super fun. I, I really like that idea. Um, and especially at the end, we can still have them like, 
Yeah, almost a, a dark reveal in a way of like she's been married to this person for 500 years or, or maybe not married, but however, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she didn't know, you know, he killed so-and-so. And she's, you know, knew him, but I guess turns out really didn't know him because he's got all these powers. Uh, was he off, you know, moonlighting, killing people or killing uh, other immortals? Well, because he was potentially planning for this day, whereas she was not. Exactly. Exactly. And, like, she even thinks back, and there are some flashbacks of them facing off against someone and him going out of the way to make sure that he got the final kill instead of her. Yeah. And that's... Because that's... Now he gets spike elbows and and laser knees. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Can grow his fingernails super long and, you know, use that as a... Yeah, Something. Something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. We'll, we'll we'll come up with a cup. We'll come up with like the core superpower for like our main four, and then. But I. I. But I agree. So does that mean that you are cutting Brenda Wyatt entirely? No, it does not. I, okay. I recast her. Yes. Um, but I did not make. I mean, didn't you didn't make her the weird love interest of a, a hundreds of year old person going out with a thirty something year old? Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, no. fine. I have no problem with that. I cut that. Out. I also. Yeah. Good. I'm uh, I'm cool with that. It's a love interest that you know makes sense because this this movie as it stands now was a little rapey, and by a little rapey I mean not little rapey. It was physically textually rapey. Oh yeah, it was it was a uh, plot point. It was it yeah, was which is, at one point which is he did the the Kurgan obviously yeah. raped uh, his his girlfriend uh, Heather. Heather, thank you. It was off screen, thank God, but he yeah, still but... used it as a bargaining chip to kind of egg him on. And it's it's just like that. There's no no script needs that. I agree with that. I really agree with that. And so yeah, like that had that has no place. I don't want anything to do with that because it's like at this and it's just bad. It's bad, lazy writing. It really is. It's it's. Literally the re- women in refrigerators trope, which is it so tired. Absolutely is yes. Um, um, that said, the scene with Connor when Heather had aged and like she was dying of old age, and he was just there with her, looking the exact same. Aside from the fact that the makeup looked ridiculous <laughs> and dumb, oh, it man. was genuinely a sad scene. And Ramirez had warned him, "Is like you, you need to leave her. You're going to go through a heartbreak that you'll never understand." And part of me was like, "Yeah, but." still his choice to make and also even if you're going to be sad at the end wouldn't you rather have all those happy years together exactly and that's uh maybe revealing a little too much about myself here so feel free to cut this if you want but um (laughs) i am i am a widow uh my first wife died um and let me let me tell you like you do cherish those years even though it was uh even though it was short as Mm -hmm. somebody who's been through that that scene really does kind of speak to me in a weird way yeah. especially with that like incredibly gorgeous one of the probably one of the best queen songs ever written playing under mm-hmm. it um I, I really think that uh that is needed for connor mcleod uh, i agree i i feel like and i wrote that into uh my pitch here i i definitely and while you know ramirez it's that ramirez is like that buddy who's like he sees the girlfriend that's bad for you and and is like you know dude you're turning into somebody else man he's like that kind of guy right trying to warn him whereas you you know in the relationship in the moment don't want it to end whether or not you see it's you know what i mean kind of bad for you i don't even think 
I don't even see that necessarily as being the case. Right. I see this like they're immortal, but at some like they still have to live their first lifetime. Right. Like you, you don't get to just like, oh, I'm immortal. All right, my brain just clicks over into immortality mode. No, you're st- you're still a human living out your human life, and you have to. You you have to like experience that thing like and I feel like even Ramirez would be like you should leave her, but I know that you're not going to right and like, I, I do feel he, like he yeah he's definitely I, I was just using a bad analogy sorry <laughs> no I think you were using a, a good analogy but like but even still like I feel like one of the things that they can say like a line for this movie is so much of who we are as immortals is defined by that first lifetime we led yeah that's perfect like. For Kurgan, it was the he was a monster torturing people. Yeah, barbarian. Yeah, it was a bar. Yes. Yeah, and like, <laughs> and like, even uh, it can even boil down to like that. Connor McLeod was someone who believed in love and had this amazing like life, even though it ended sadly. It was still a, a time that she was happy together. And Sunda, we can find out what Sunda Castigar's first life was, and whether or not he was telling the truth about that this whole time. Right. That's oh, that's an interesting. He, yeah. He may have gone the other way and listened to the person and left the person he was in love with, and kind and of that way you get like tried to switch on immortality mode and never did, and like in, instead of having all those years of happiness, like went off to go do Im- immortal things, but kept every once in a while checking in on this person that he was in love with. Mm-hmm. And just, like, breaking his heart every time he did, and eventually she still died, and he still has the exact same sadness, but he doesn't have those years of happiness together. Right. It's almost like an emptiness. It's like a um, keeping somebody at bay, you know, mm-hmm. longing. You want it, but you know you can't have it. Yeah. Um, and I, it, I, it's it's worse. Yeah, it is. That is absolutely worse. Um Real quick, I want to establish a little bit of the mythology that it's not it's like unspoken in the original. So th- the way your immortality gets uh activated is you die. It's your first death. Mm-hmm. So like for Connor McLeod, it was when the Kurgan stabbed him uh and he became you know, a Highlander or an immortal Highlander. <laughs> Which was crazy for me because the Kurgan specifically wanted to kill him. Yes. So it sure seemed like he was a Highlander already. Yes, because but- the Kurgan knew about him. Oh, so maybe it's not. Maybe it's just that they die. Because I always, I always assumed that it was upon your first, like, mortal wound. Because you have Highlanders or Immortals that are all different shapes, sizes, and ages, right? Like, the guy mm-hmm. in the beginning, Fasir, is, is, like, clearly in his 50s. Right. Uh, Sean Connery is obviously in his 60s. And it just, uh, it, it, to me, that kind of explained it was, like... The first time you got a mortal wound is how you'll be for the rest of your... It's kind of like being bit by a vampire. Like, yeah. like the moment you're that's, bit that's by how the you vampire. Stay. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, it's, it's, why, it's why there's a baby vampire and what we do in the shadows. Exactly, exactly, because the baby got eaten. I would, give it, I would give that to you, but I will say you're still a, for lack of a better word, Highlander. You're still an immortal, but you don't know... And like, like you're like, it's uh, it's like latent abilities, right? So the so Kurgan is activated, like has his abilities. He knows that person's a Highlander mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, but that person doesn't know it about themselves. Exactly. So like Kurgan could have just gone and killed him and been like, "Cool, this was easy," and gets the powers or whatever. I wonder what they had. Right. But, but then, like, but for Connor McCloud. Like, those things don't start to awaken until that death happens. 
Yes. Even though they're, st- they're still there, but you need to actually pull, like, it's like getting a new toy. You got to pull the tag out. It's still the toy, yeah. but you can't, you can't put in the batteries until you pull the tag. Exactly. And, and you have to hone that skill, too. It's, it is very mm-hmm. much, I, I feel like it is very much like the X-Men. Um, mm-hmm. You know, hit puberty and you get mutant powers or something like that. But in this case, it's yeah. just you get a mortal wound or, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're killed in a, mm-hmm. in a horrific way. Because that, again, I feel like is a big part of an immortal's, uh, at least yeah. in this world, an immortal's journey is uh, going through your first death and learning what it feels like. So, because re- if if there was a book called The Immortal's Journey, I would read it. I would too. We could even call <laughs> this Highlander colon The Immortal's Journey. You know what? I think we should. I'm writing it down. All right. So I have another random question for you because you're more familiar with the lore than I am. Sure. And a, a Highlander or an Immortal dies when their head is cut off. Yes, that is the only way you can kill them is is removing their head. It's not a gunshot or whatever it's so my question is if someone who is not a highlander kills a highlander by cutting off their head does that person who wasn't a highlander get that high become a highlander because that was the way that made sense to me in my head of like when i first saw this movie years ago of i would assume all the highlanders popped at the same time but they're spread out all over the world and then but theoretically it's a brutal time people are doing battles and swords and stuff i'm assuming some Highlander, just by chance and happenstance, was beheaded some other way. Right. And I, t- to be honest with you, that's not one that I think has ever come up in, in any, any of the... I mean, I've never seen all of the television series. It might be in there somewhere, but that I don't know. I'm sure it probably could, right? Because it would... Like it's, that, that's in, the way that would make sense to me. That like Even Connor McCloud, the youngest Highlander, like in a battle, killed some other Highlander and became the Highlander and never even knew about it. Oh, so... Okay, so not born that way then. Not necessarily. I, some of them were, some of them weren't. But, like, uh, he then went and fought in other wars. Like, he's in World War Two. Sure. He could have had his head blown off or cut off by some other person. And if that had happened, does that person become the Highlander? Does, like, do those powers fizzle? Or does that mean the gathering can never happen because they were killed by someone who wasn't a Highlander? I don't know. That's that's a very good question. That's not one I've ever thought about either. Um it could probably, I don't know if it would fizzle out or if that person, because then there would be, I guess the gathering would take longer if it, if it went to just a normal mortal, right? Like it would I take mean, longer. Because theoretically, yeah, I mean, here we are <laughs> yeah, beating out knows? a weird fantasy. I, well, I mean, it's like one of those things that's not necessarily stated, but it's certainly in the rules. Like it even could be, like I, I even love this moment of there being this person who's a Highlander that the Kurgan's going after in this battle but Connor kills them first, and then, but then Kurgan finds this person who was a Highlander and was like, "Well, I didn't do it." Yeah, I didn't know. And then that becomes a Highlander, or and then or that, Connor that, becomes a Highlander. I mean, yeah, I mean that's extra lore stuff that we don't necessarily need to play with. Like we're already messing with the lore a little bit, but like it was—it's just always been one of those things in my head of of like. They're living in a world. Other things can happen. It's like the uh, the old uh, article that talked about how if you're immortal, like if you live for long enough, eventually you will be trapped somewhere forever. Yeah, yeah, that's just mathematically. Eventually, something will happen and you'll be trapped somewhere forever. That's that's a, a very interesting theory. <laughs> 
I mean, it happens to enough people who get tra- like get trapped and die somewhere. Like they get like there's a, a landslide or a house collapses. Yeah, sure. But like you expand that to infinity, eventually that person will be you, immortal person, and you will be buried under tons of rock. But you can't die, so, so you're just stuck there, huh. going crazy forever till they find you or something. Yeah, that's yeah. Huh. I hadn't I had never considered that as an immortal. <laughs> yeah, immortality is. Fun for a while, but eventually, uh, hell. Yeah, fate worse than death. Yeah. It's the classic sci- or sci-fi fantasy thing of, you, you have been imme- immeasurably good. I give you the gift of immortality. You, you, you have been immeasurably bad. I give you the curse of immortality. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's just, it's the same. It's, it's the, same, the same thing. Yeah, depends on your perspective. And that's kind yeah. of what I wanted to get into with, with one of the uh, ideas behind making the immortal husband. In, mm-hmm. in this new pitch that we're doing, making him kind of, uh, this is what we've gone for our entire lives, what we've looked forward to. I'm tired of this. I want to be mortal. I want to live a, a life that mm-hmm. you know was promised to me, where I can grow old and die because I have seen too much bloodshed, and you know I, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. And I, I always I thought that would be an interesting way in a character trope for him because he, you know. Living, living that long and, and seeing, you know, seeing what you yeah. see, especially if you're influencing history for hundreds, thousands of years, maybe. Then. Yeah, I'm fully on board. I fully support that. I think you're absolutely right to want to do that. I agree with that plot line 100%. So I have an idea for what I think Connor McLeod's superpower would be. What do you think uh, Senda Castigar's superpower should be? Oh, uh... He's such a non-character. You can kind of, in the original anyway, you can kind of yeah. uh, kind of do with anything. And I do feel like it's almost like these superpowers shouldn't be, you know, so obvious. They should be kind of something that we all, you know, agility or, you know, mild uh, the, tele- the, th- the three that I have all pull from something that happened in the original movie. So, like, Kurgan's is super strength. Mm-hmm. Ramirez can do, like, the, the really localized, like, teleporting, popping in and out, moving super-duper fast, but sure. just for, like, a split second. Mm-hmm. And then Connor's, I actually, in my head, Connor has, like, electricity-based powers. Because, like, at, like even occasionally you would just see, like, the sparks coming up uh, Connor McCloud's fingers in the movie. Like, even before he killed someone, like, when he's in the fight with Kurgan, like, there's a moment where, like, he has electricity in his hands. Hmm. It happens in a couple... It happens once or twice. And then, like, obviously, like, the whole electrical discharge, for lack of a better word, uh, when he kills uh, the first dude. Right, right. And uh, there is that he's being struck on the mountain in, like, the 1700s by lightning. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could be. Uh, what do you mean by mild? Are we talking like electro or are we talking like he gives yeah, you a not, static I, shock when he touches you? Yeah. <laughs> I like, I'm, I'm not thinking, uh, like I can do electricity blasts like electro. I'm more thinking like, I'm, I'm thinking something that can stun and not deal damage. Okay. So yeah. If, like if a, we're going to pull it into D and D things. All right. That's fair. Yeah. Like but a, I also think it's a, it's touch base. Like you can't fire electricity. Yeah, That's so uh, almost like a like a super static shock, right? Like yeah, yeah, like you rubbed his feet on the carpet too much or something. <laughs> exactly, and we as if we any, know anything about the Scottish Highlands, very plush carpeting, uh, lots of it. Oh man, the shag <laughs> is just uh, unreal over there. Yes. Oh god. <laughs> 
So then with that in mind, like with those somewhat limitations, like what do we want to give Sunda and how can we make it like kind of relevant to the character? Well, um, I do think I do think like an agility, like a super speed, I guess, would be kind of, you know, and I'm not talking the flash. I'm just talking, you know, faster than like Usain Bolt. Right. Right. I mean, theoretically, we kind of have that with Ramirez already. Hmm. Well, so I thought he was going to be mild teleportation. Right, but it, it, like it, it, mild teleportation and super speed are essentially the same thing. Okay, that's fair. All right. Okay, so nix that then. Uh, let's see. Again, he's such a... There's not really much to him. <laughs> yeah. Over, overly compassionate? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He just seems like a compassionate person. I mean, we have two offensive abilities. Connors is offensive because it's the electricity. Mm-hmm. Kurgan's is offensive because it's super strength. Right. Ramirez is somewhat more defensive because it's like super dodging. Okay. So what's another defensive ability? Like what's uh? I don't know. Like like are we taught maybe or or stealth? What's a good stealth ability? Like another ability might be like blending into the shadows. Yeah. Actually, I, I was leaning towards like a chameleon, uh, or chameleon, type. absolutely. Like, like not even just full on like T one thousand chameleon. I, I mean, I like disappearing into the shadows where he can kind of just vanish from sight, if you will. I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, he can't turn himself. He's not the Invisible Man. Can't turn himself invisible, but can definitely, you know, make himself scarce in in situations. Yes. And that also gives us a fun final battle motif of Sunda starts using that ability and you start hearing this note, like starts taunting Connor all around her. Just like, this is what happened. This is what's going on. This is the history. This is the past. And Connor can't track down because chameleon. Yeah, that's the perfect psychological warfare. And it, it could be, we could even do like a, uh, she she didn't know like the, the extent of his disappearing, reappearing abilities. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he never yeah. even used the enti- the whole thing in front of him. So. Yeah, and we could even use the, that same thing that I proposed for Kurgan with him of he killed someone super early and gained that ability and then let ev- let all the other Highlanders kind of think that he was that was his main ability. Yeah, that's but he was keeping his true ability like close to the vest. Exactly, and that, which is a perfect you know strategy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. given the the given the long game of this, that's what I would do. Right, considering you have to kill people, might as well, you know. Yeah, <laughs> might as well may, keep may it as, close. Yeah, may as well uh, misdirect. Exactly, have the ace up your sleeve. Uh, there are going like this. Th- there have to be other alliances. Like in in my head, uh, Ramirez is the mentor to Connor in the same way that Connor is a mentor to Sunda. Is the way that it mentored out like worked out in my head. Hmm. Because that that kind of felt like the relationship that they had. I see. Um, I don't. It's not textual at all, but that's just kind of like the metatextual thing that I read into it. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, because they don't necessarily need to kill each other. Just like it's like I, I just want to not be alone in my in my infinity. Right. Right. And uh, I do I do kind of think that there was you know there was good Highlanders and bad Highlanders and <laughs> absolutely some of them you know they meet. Confidentially or whatever over the years, yeah. and you know, have a little immortals club. Why not? Yeah, even Ramirez says like, "Look, it, it for me, I don't really care who wins and gets the gets the um, the the prize, the prize." Thank you. I, I, all I care about is that it's not Kurgan because if it's Kurgan, thousand years of darkness. Exactly. It's 
But if it's not Kurgan, we'll probably be okay. Yeah. It's just this other thing that's going on. Right. And I and I feel like most of them were probably good at heart. I don't know. I had that I had a bad feeling about that Facile guy at the beginning. He just he feels like some sort of international terrorist. Yeah, he felt a little too uh, sleazy businessman for me. Yeah, exactly. Definitely who on they, the on the Donald Trump hustle. <laughs> yeah, who who they met at a wrestling match. Yeah, in the for some reason. in the basement the, or the way, parking garage of Madison Square Garden. Yeah, the way they kept setting it up and the way Connor kept like glaring at like the headliner, I thought the lead wrestler was going to be the person he was going to be fighting. <laughs> Like, they kept doing all these glamour shots of, hey, look at me, I'm this guy, I'm taking off my robe, gonna do my wrestling, <laughs> and then we never see him again, and he's completely irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. And that's the music video, I think, part of the part of this movie that is so, <laughs> like, MTV yeah. generation, because uh, it was, like, really, like, sweeping, spinning crane shots of this huge wrestling match at the Garden, and it never comes back. It never. No. <laughs> It's it's a reason to meet up in the garage. Yeah, because everybody's distracted, right? I look at the end of the day, <laughs> the movie's fine. Yeah, it just has some flaws, some minor. But minor it's flaws. like, and the casting's not great. No, no, it's really not. And even like looking it up and looking at the poster for the movie that's up on IMDb. It's a terrible poster. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I kind of like it. I like the art on it. It's it's pretty. I don't know. Eighties fantasy. It's it's kind of fun. It's it, it is very eighties fantasy. I will give you that. Yeah, it's kind of fun. They don't make posters like that anymore. Now that's at the time. I, yeah, very I, cheesy. But <laughs> it's cheesy now. Yeah. Well. Yeah. There's you're a right. reason they don't make posters like this anymore. You're very right. You're very right. <laughs> Uh, um, but yeah, I, th- I think we have kind of the core concept and what we want to do with the movie. Want to recast it? Sure. Let's recast it. Cool. So there are a couple different people who I feel like need to be one thing or another. Okay. Um, like, but I think we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Sure. Um, but so Connor, for example, needs to be Scottish. Okay. Yeah, I agree with because that. The Highlander can't be be from the islands right but we both cast women Mm -hmm. um so i'm curious who you have my uh my connor has been in game of thrones she's been in the good fight she's in the last witch hunter it's an actress named rose leslie okay i'm i'm familiar with her uh she is for the listener in game of thrones she's the one who says she's egret you know nothing john snow that one ah i see i i haven't watched game of thrones yet haven't gotten there so fair enough and she's great like she has the whole archery thing like she is legitimately a badass Mm -hmm. because like my first thought had been like karen gillam because that's kind of like the the person you would assume but i was like i feel like i can get someone who's more has seen war right and i felt like rose leslie might be a, a a better candidate for that okay i can see that uh, I I went in a completely different direction, um, and while okay. I, while I do believe that that she needs to start out in Scotland for sure because that's the title, I kind of looked more like I, I don't feel like Connor McLeod is as much of a, uh, a like a a warlord as much as he is like a survivor, right? So mm-hmm. I, I chose somebody who's a really good survivor, and I went mm-hmm. with uh, Elizabeth Moss as as a lead. Okay. Is Elizabeth Moss Scottish? No. <laughs> Doesn't mean you can't play Scottish, but... Okay, yeah. I know who you're talking about. That is an interesting choice. I 
don't love it, if I'm being honest, just because I don't see her being kind of like the person who needs to do the fights and the action. That's like she's a she's a phenomenal actress. Well, and that, like, but the, that's kind of the point, though, is that these these people are, you know, they're you can't tell that they're there's anything special about them at all or remarkable about them at all. And then they surprise right. you. Right. In terms of appearance, I completely agree. Uh, but like, the, and, I, and I completely agree with that logic. But I meant like, as an actor performing it. Oh, I don't I don't think that she is herself capable of doing. Uh, I don't. Did you see the new Invisible Man? When she's the victim? Yeah. I did not. I, I have a hard time watching horror. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, she she's a very, very, very physical role for her in that one. So Fair. anyway, uh, uh, we don't have to go with her. I'm just defending yeah, my choice. We, we can come back. We can come back to this and see how uh, kind of fits she, the how whoever we go with kind of fits in with the whole rest of the world that we create. Sure, but yeah. So because the next per, our next probably our number two lead in this movie is going to be Sunda Castigar. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell me who you had for Sunda? Uh, I went with Idris Elba for Sunda. Okay, interesting. Go on. Well, uh, I. Feel like he is both a a clever combination of a dashing and can very easily be a swashbuckler, but could also very easily. I feel like there could be some darkness there that could turn on you if if he wanted to. I agree. I think Idris Elba is an excellent choice for the role. However, you also know that I care about optics when putting together couples, right? Mm, yeah. How old is Idris Elba? I am actually not aware how old Idris Elba is. I'm going to look it up because I'm pretty sure he's in his 60s. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Good for him. He took care of himself. Oh, no, I'm wrong. Uh, I'm wrong. He's 47. I don't know why I thought he was in his 60s. He's 47. He's not nearly as old as I thought he was. Oh, okay. Well, uh, and at the same time, too, you know, these these immortals, that's one thing they have in common. Right, of course. You know, is they're immortal, and who knows when it's activated, right? If we go with the the thing where it's, you know, your first mortal wound is activating it, yeah. Yeah. He could have been an older man. Textually, that makes total sense to me. Like, textually, I'm fully on board with it, and it makes total sense to have uh, people really of any age in these roles that genuinely does not matter right at this in, How, for this but one however what you if you what if you're still ending up with ah, i'm an old guy ending up with a young girl that's still a, a little problematic just from a like a metatextual perspective uh to me i can see that who how old is your your lead what's her name 30 uh, I just looked it up. Uh, Rose Leslie's 33 and Elizabeth Moss is 38. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, so, that's not uh, a terrible Elizabeth difference. Moss, Idris Elba isn't terrible. Like, that's not the end of the world. I don't know. It feels a little Mad Men to me. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it could be a little Mad Men. But it's, I mean, it's not like there's an egregious, you know, No, it, it's not egregious. I have had to shut down far worse on this podcast. <laughs> and a nine-year difference is not the end of the world. Yeah. However, that that's something I do want to be conscious of. Okay. My son to cast a gear is uh, Richard Brooks, who he's been in Bosch, he's been in Firefly. You may need to look him up because I, you may not necessarily like recognize his face, but he is... Did you ever watch Firefly? I did watch Firefly. I love Firefly. In the, in the last episode, he is the guy uh, coming to stalk and hunt. And uh, he's the um, 
Ah, what's the word I'm looking he's for? He's the here? Boba Fett. He's the bounty hunter. Yes. Yeah. He's b- bounty hunter. That's what I wanted. Right. Yes. He is the bounty hunter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember this guy. And of course, I realize I'm making this big stink. He legitimately might be older than Idris Elba. I, I believe he is actually. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm hoisted by my own patar. Uh, Let's He's see. ten years older than Idris Elba. Oh no! Ah, uh, you have stepped into your own trap, my friend. <laughs> I, I have, but I didn't intend for them to be love interests. I know. Uh, my my uh, in in my original thinking, it was like you live a long enough time, you eventually stop uh, caring about things like gender or like age, per- love. perceived anything. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, so I didn't necessarily care. Just like, uh, I just had Connor being friends with some Castillo, so I didn't necessarily care about age. Right, right. But yeah, no, he's 57. If he's a love interest, we can definitely not go with Richard Brooks. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Sorry about uh, that. <laughs> that's all right. I, look, you have the right pitch, and I agree with your pitch, and we're doing that. Yeah. It just, we need to work on casting a little bit. Yeah, no. Tell me about who... You, Tell me about who your Kurgan is. This this was the one Game of Thrones that I dipped into, uh, and I'm sure you probably know who I'm going to go with. Uh, I, I chose. Yeah, you're going to go with the mountain. Yep, I went Jason Momoa. Oh, that's not the mountain. Oh, it's not the mountain. I, I haven't seen no. Game of Thrones. Shame on me. <laughs> no, uh, Jason Momoa is uh, Daenerys Targaryen's um, love interest in the first season. He is uh, Drago, Khal Drago. Okay. Cool. Well, I I was not aware of that. I went with Aquaman. Um. <laughs> yeah, you went with Aquaman. That's fun. That's that's probably a good choice. I went with um, so I was going based off the strength idea, and so I went with a professional wrestler. And I reached out to some friends who are fans of professional wrestlers and kind of like kind of the idea of that. Okay. And they gave me a couple options, and I ended up landing on a guy named Drew McIntyre. Okay, let me uh, let me get get the old Google search going here because I'm not that yeah. entrenched in wrestling. What was his name? I'm sorry, Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre. I I have him up on my Google right now. So he's a professional wrestler. He is also Scottish, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah, especially since that could like tie Kurgan a little bit more to Connor McCloud than textually. It like the big bad is a little bit more tied to our hero than what we originally have. Yeah, and also. And far more important, his birthday is the same birthday as me, and that's that makes him a good person. <laughs> okay. Well, let's go with him then. Yeah, I'm in. Well, he, well, he looks well, like tell a... Tell me who you had. Um, I had who? Jason Momoa for mine. Oh, that's right. Jason Momoa. And so while I, while I like Jason Momoa a lot, and what we really need for the Kurgan is somebody who's big and imposing, and while I think right. he can do it... Uh, you know, I think Jason Momoa has it. This guy definitely has it. Uh, Drew, yeah. Drew McIntyre definitely has a a real mean and imposing look that I'm seeing here. And uh, these wrestling guys can act. So, yeah. You know. And uh, it's it's always fun and like especially just because he needs to be a big imposing guy. And I don't want him to go as crazy necessarily as uh, the Kurgan in the original movie because yeah. that might have been pushing it a little bit too far. Uh-huh. I-, I love that guy though, Clancy Brown as the Kurgan. Clancy was- Brown, oh man, is amazing. He was like he's totally chewing scenery with Kurgan. Oh yeah, so fun. And he was clearly having so much fun. And I just think Clancy Brown is a wonderful human being, just in general. Absolutely. Uh, even if I occasionally have to kick, had to kick his son's butt at Magic the Gathering, whatever. <laughs> oh well, hate when that happens. Ah darn. Um, but no, it was fun. Um, good. So then let's talk about uh, Ramirez. Okay. You went first for Kurgan. So my Ramirez, uh, 
I was looking for an Egyptian. Oh. So uh, I went for uh, someone who's been on Mr. Robot, Bohemian Rhapsody. I went with Rami Malek. Hmm. Okay. That's an interesting choice. He's definitely... Yeah, it was a little bit left field. I'm open to other ideas on this one, but like, I was trying to find someone who was, you know, Egyptian to play the person with the Spanish name. Yeah. Who who has a Scottish <laughs> accent. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> This uh, this movie's chaos, so I was trying to find a little order in the chaos. Yeah, that's totally chaos. Um, so I went with um, I went a different direction, completely, um, because I didn't want it to. Uh, with our female casting of Connor McCloud, I didn't mm-hmm. want it to turn into like a, a male female male mentor type movie. Um, so I casted female for Ramirez. Okay, um, and, great. And my choice was Regina King. Okay. Tell me why. Well, she, de- I mean, you were talking earlier about uh, having a, I guess, a, a war look about her, um, which she definitely does. She she has this look that she's really been through it. And um, and I could definitely see her in a mentoring role as well, um, mm-hmm. uh, especially with her. Have you, have you seen the HBO Watchmen? No, it came up in the last episode, too. I know I need to, but I haven't yet. Yeah, she was... That's really the reason why I, I went after her for this one. Because it... Uh, Great. She, she is incredibly agile. Uh, she, can, she can pull the moves. I believe that she can train somebody to fight. And I believe she could handle herself. And in this Great. instance... I love it. I believe that she's been... You know, if, you, if she came out and was like, I've been fighting wars for 2,000 years, I would believe it. I think that is excellent casting. Let's absolutely go with Regina King for Ramirez. I love that. Cool. Then next up, we have Heather, who I think we may end up needing to rename. Yes, I I did rename, actually. Well, we'll definitely go with that. (laughs) I went first to the last one, so you're up. Okay. Uh, For this one, of course, like we talked about, she needs to have this this kind of great love in her life, who is also a, a death um, a loss, a tragic loss. Um, mm-hmm. I renamed, uh, I figured at this point, uh, in history, there were a lot of people kind of roaming, roaming the, uh, different countries. So I went with a character named Hector played by Oscar Isaac as the, her mortal lover. <laughs> Oscar Isaac is always great. Yeah. Yeah. He's a lot of fun so, to, uh, brings a lot of character in, which is what I, I really like about him. Yeah. I, so because this is kind of like her first life and the living her first life, having her first love, I went with someone else who was Scottish. Oh, okay. Because I, she hasn't really like kind of leaned into the whole being immortal and traveling the world thing yet. So it's like, especially like how Heather in the first one is also Scottish. Yeah. That's like, it's kind of still in Scotland. It's definitely a, uh, a mirror of it. Uh, my whole thing was, you know, once she was, my reasoning for casting Oscar, Oscar Isaac was once she, you know... Is exiled. Yeah, exiled from her whatever. Yeah, for being it a makes witch. total sense to mm-hmm. me. I got nothing against that. Like, I, I think that's a, a good idea. Um, I'm just telling you my logic. Right. Uh, uh, anyway, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I went with Richard Madden, who also Game of Thrones, okay. uh, but was also in Rocket Man. Rocket Man. Oh, the, not the uh, Harlan Williams movie in the 90s, but the Elton John movie? Correct. Okay. He was the uh, the 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 agent, the the bad romance for Elton John. Okay. Uh, give me his name again. I'm sorry. Richard Madden. Right. Oh yes, this gentleman. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I could see him totally. 
Just a good Scottish boy. Right, yeah, very Scottish. <laughs> so, and part of part of the reason why I thought it would be funny to have him be the the love interest is because I know this movie's getting made again. I don't know who they're going to cast, but I'm sure he is going to be considered to play Connor McLeod. Yeah, probably. And I kind of have it funny to be like, yeah, okay, this is who the Highlander could be, but let's actually have this story and just like kind of do that flip. It, so in my head, it's just kind of a, a a fun twist. Okay, I can definitely see him, and I'm not sold on Oscar Isaac. I, you know, if I'm, I'd be totally fine uh, going with with your pick. Because I I may suggest we do Oscar Isaac for Sunda Castigier, but I don't think we can have the name Sunda Castigier if it's Oscar Isaac. Because I actually think Oscar Isaac's a good choice for that. Yeah, I could see that too. I could def- He would have to probably have more of a Spanish name. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or yeah, because I think he's Guatemalan. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, as opposed to Castigier, who is Ethiopian. Exactly. I looked it up. <laughs> uh, but but let's go with Richard Madden for Richard Madden for this one. Sure, for timeline reasons. So the next person I have is uh, Rachel Ellenstein, who for me I did not make Jewish because we're now thirty five years into the future, and theoretically someone who would be around that same age wouldn't necessarily be a Holocaust survivor. Right. I was trying to think of like other things that have kind of happened thirty five years after uh world war ii and the holocaust okay so um i went with a woman named amy chang oh okay who was in crazy rich asians she's really more well known for being in growing up and she's just a good actress can be kind of funny uh who uh could also be (laughs) escaping some sort of some sort of horrible war-like terrible treatment from uh yeah yeah from 30 to 40 years prior absolutely that's I, I'm totally on board with that. I actually did not cast her. She's one that I left out because she was kind. The original Highlander. There's like three or four leads, and everybody else is really tertiary. <laughs> so yeah, it was one of those weird movies where like they had they introduced some people, and then just like two thirds through the movie, here's my secretary, secretary who I've raised like a child. Cool. <laughs> anyway, bye forever. You're leaving me. Yup. Later. Yeah, and I see, and, like, I th- uh, that's why I think that Nazi scene in the movie was cut, because I thought that she was a former lover that he felt bad about. I didn't know until last night that she was a kid that he rescued. Yeah. I don't know. But, like, it's definitely, like, kind of like a pseudo-daughter type role. And it's definitely, like, when he leaves, it's so fucked up, because it's like, oh, I am your parent figure. Even if you, do- even if you win, you're not coming back? No. Yep, Here's all it. the stuff that's yours now. Yeah. This is just me getting in an elevator saying goodbye forever. And she's just like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's a You're pretty... You're basically my dad. It's definitely a hard-hitting scene. <laughs> but not for the reason they wanted. Exactly. The It's a kind of magic uh, spoils it, I think. But yeah. yeah. Did we talk about Brenda Wyatt, or did I skip her accidentally? We skipped her. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, let's talk about Brenda Wyatt. So I actually did not... Now that I'm looking at my list, I did not cast a Brenda Wyatt, but I think her character is important, but not as a love interest. I agree with that as well. It's, uh, she's the, the face of the audience. Is that the, or whatever the term is, the Scott McCloud, uh, understanding comics. The, yeah. The, the stand in for the audience of, I need to be, I have this explained to me so that the audience understands. Right. She's the everyman. 
Yeah. So, mm. so I I agree that I don't think she should be a love interest because it's weird and creepy. Um, so I went with Naomi Scott. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's great. Power Rangers, Charlie's Angels, Aladdin. I just think she's great, and uh, she's going to be the new Bond girl. Oh, is she really? Oh, nice. Good for her. I, I think so. That's awesome. Yeah, let's go with Naomi yeah. Scott. I love her. She's great. Cool. Uh, so that brings us back to... Oh, and then I had... I literally wrote down some sort of police guy. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I didn't really cast any of the police people. Like, I threw someone in just because, like, pff, why not? But I don't think we need it. Uh, I'd, well, so here's another thing that I did want to kind of touch on is there's this great missed opportunity in this movie in the original Highlander. It's kind of on, like, a sideline C story where they're looking for a, a serial killer. They think it's a serial killer who's cutting off heads and stuff like right. that. Uh, but they didn't really hit it home, and I thought that in this one they could kind of hit it a little bit harder, a little more of a they're a little more cat and mouse, a little more on their tail, more you know, kind of like is this a cult of people? They don't know obviously that they're immortals, but mm-hmm. I did think that we should have some sort of you know police intervention because that was another interesting facet of the original Highlander that kind of got I don't know marginalized. Yeah, they do just be behead these people and then just like leave the body yeah and it just you know lots of electricity happens and they walk away so yeah who's gonna pay for all these all this damage to these cars hey that's what you have insurance for buddy just in case of the quickening yeah right but yeah okay so then who did you have for your some sort of police guy and or guys uh well i i have a real problem with authority and i always kind of look at uh police as like crusty old white men so i i cast that's what i did huh what's that that's what i did yeah uh so i went for i went for some kind of tried and trues uh for lieutenant moran who was like the the cop guy the the lead detective i, I put john c mcginley in great i love john c mcginley and uh as a uh i mean he's got to have a captain so i threw in an old b-movie favorite who's played a cop in a million b-movies and i uh, wanted to throw tom atkins into the mix great love it my uh kind of bumbling cop was a like a character comedy guy named uh, brian husky but i think your choices are better okay <laughs> especially because they're four specific characters as opposed to as and i and i quote some sort of police guy yeah well I mean, we can have a guy who's some sort of police guy. That's now. I, I feel like we, as a society, have moved past the need of really any some sort of police guy. Yes, we should defund the some sort of police guy division. I agree. I hear they're all bastards. They are some sort of police guys are all bastards. That's that's a very <laughs> large acronym to put on a t-shirt. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've had more letters on a t-shirt than that. That's true. I have as well. I redact that uh, statement. Not- not the one I'm wearing now, but in general. Same. So that brings us to Connor and Sunda. Okay. And I don't know what we should do about that. Because even though I do think Idris Elba is excellent casting, I feel like the optics of that are bad. And um, why, why do you think the optics are... Because I, I'm not a big fan of having an older guy paired with a young even if they are closer in age of having an older man paired with a younger woman because that's kind of like the thing that i've been fighting against a little bit more on this show that said 
nine years isn't the end of the world. Oh no, it's it's really not. My wife is five years older than me. It's <laughs> yeah, and my, my my parents are six years apart. Also, like it's not the end of the world. Um, it just like one of the things that I care about and like try to push a little bit is like just uh, like it, they're they're within the time gap, so it works for me. So what's so, so what I I will trust your judgment on uh, say uh, your Connor's name again. Mike Connor was Elizabeth Moss. I'll trust your judgment on it, but I'm not in love with uh, with that pairing. Okay, and I can see why. What? What? And also, just because I'd love Connor to be a little bit more action starry. I mean, you'd think over 400 plus years, and even with tra- and with training from uh, Regina King, you would think Regina King would have trained Connor to to be a good fighter. Oh, I, so I would ex- I would expect that from whoever plays the part and uh so what in all honesty why i landed another reason why i landed on elizabeth moss not just that because she's a survivor but my thing about connor mcleod was he was kind of the everyman like i wouldn't expect uh what's his name christopher lambert to come and whip out a sword and start swashbuckling either and i think that was kind of the charm of it um which is which is why i i I chose her i thought that she could probably you know learn some some impressive moves and 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 go with it but I, again i'm not married to it um what was your your connor's name again i'm so sorry uh rose leslie i have i have a counter argument against uh elizabeth moss okay. but it just it feel it feels like a punching down low blow kind of thing mm. she's a scientologist oh i did not know that well, that that changes my opinion on everything <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like I said, it's uh look, I'm obviously not a fan of Scientology. I think they're a horrible organization and uh they're really really bad. Yeah, really bad, really creepy. And and I don't think someone who is a Scientologist that necessarily means that they themselves are bad. No, it's an but, it's an indoctrination and, thing. It's <laughs> Yeah. And also like that she's also in Handmaid's Tale and Invisible Man and and gets to do all these amazing things and is a fantastic performer. So I don't think that necessarily d- speaks ill of her or her performance i just don't like it like i said it feels like punching down uh and i'm and i don't think that should be like the reason not to cast her Mm -hmm. yeah i agree with that um but uh she's definitely like one of the reasons like i said she's definitely kind of normal looking for a movie star right there's and that's what i right and i don't have anything wrong with that Mm -hmm. like like i i would actively cast her in other roles sure but not the lead of an action movie. Okay, so if we want to go, f- uh, Rose. So Rose I, let's do. The, well, let's do this. If we go with Rose Leslie, mm-hmm. I will agree to whoever you think for Sunda Castigar. Okay, I'm totally on board. I had to do some some digging. I did not realize. I thought she was somebody else. Rose Leslie. I thought she was a different actress. Uh, I'm totally on board with her. She's definitely. She's definitely got the warrior look down, and uh, now that I'm scrolling through some of her IMDb page, yeah, she's she's awesome. She's an excellent choice. Um, I mistook her for somebody else in Game of Thrones. I'm not sure who, though. <laughs> Pro- what, I'm assuming you thought she was going to be Sansa Stark or something? Possibly. Uh, again, yeah. I'm not... I was never really a big Game of Thrones fan. That's fine. You do not have to be. In all honesty, Highlander is as as swashbuckling as I get. Uh, <laughs> that's so fair. That, that's fine. You're you're more sci-fi and horror guy, yeah, correct? Yes, I am. Yeah. Less less fantasy. Yeah, exactly. 
it's harder for me to grab onto for some reason. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah let's do Laurel's Leslie for uh, for Connor. Yes, cool. So then I am happy to give you a couple minutes to come up with someone who you think would be a good Sundu Castigar, unless you still think it should be Idris Elba. In which case, like I said, I will go with whoever you think should be Sundu Castigar. I I understand the optics, but I I think it's okay. Uh, I mean, like I said. In our world, it makes sense yeah. because they're both immortal. But I mean, it's not like Stallone or it's anything. Still a, I, I understand. No, it's but a it's, it's point. still a forty-seven-year-old dating a thirty-three-year-old. Yeah, yeah, it is still a little off. And if it's one of those things where, like, even the nine-year difference would have been one of those things where it's like, if there's the possibility that it's like dating someone that one of your kids would be friends with, that's bad. So, uh, yeah. Mm. What is it? It's a 10-year difference between them? No, it's more uh, than 10. He's 72 and she was 87? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But still, I feel like, you know, in this world... it is Again, this, uh, for this world, it makes total sense to me. The problem is, is that if you're showing them side by side on the poster as a love interest... You are like it. The optics of that is that it's it's cool to date someone fourteen years younger than you. Yeah, I can see that. Like, right. he, like we we understand that in, within the context of the world, that's not what's happening, right? But for the same reason that things like the Joker don't are bad ideas, is that people who get the movie get the movie and think it's good, but people who don't get the movie, all of a sudden you've set this really terrible example. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's the Rick and Morty scenario. Yeah, which is, I'm still actually uncomfortable watching Rick and Morty, to be honest with you. I know everybody loves it, but it makes, it makes me feel weird. <laughs> that That's how I feel about South Park. Uh, I could see that. There's a lot of stuff that makes you feel weird about South Park. Um, all right. Yeah, I have, well, I have if, a middle ground for you. Um, I was going to say, like, well, you can grow up Jewish, surrounded by people who are fans of, fans of South Park. Guess what they're going to call you all the time exclusively? Oh, wow. I am sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, not a fan of South Park. I can, I'm sorry. Keep going. No, I can totally see that. I am I am sorry. <laughs> wow. Sorry. <laughs> you get it. I do get it. And uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you have for your middle ground for Sunda Castigar? All right. So, I for, for Sunda Castigar, I think we should do uh, Michael B. Jordan. As a as a caster, sure. Born. It's been a long time since uh, since I've had Michael B. Jordan in something, and he would obviously be excellent. Yeah, and he's he's got the athletic look. Born the same year, uh, February nineteen eighty seven, in uh, one of my many hometowns in Orange County, Santa Ana. Um, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he's he's definitely got the athleticism. I totally believe that he'd be you know swashbuckling. 2,000 years ago and swashbuckling today. Yeah, I buy that too. I think that's an excellent choice. All right. Cool. I'm 100% down. That's our cast. Oh, writer-director. Ah. Ah. Uh, 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 writer. Um, so the writer I have, I really just picked because uh, Daredevil. Uh. Um, he was like writer, director, showrunner for Daredevil. I went with Drew Goddard. Okay. Because I wanted those really interesting fight scenes. I see what you why you went with him, yeah. Um, for me, yeah. I, I kind of went the other way. Uh, definitely a TV guy as well. Uh, I went with Damon Lindelof because he's actually proven himself to be uh, pretty good at writing alternate histories. <laughs> Uh, That's true. Damon Lindelof is actually a really good choice for this. So uh, I uh, let's let's do Damon Lindelof. Okay, I like that. I think that's a good choice. 
then who did you have for director? Uh, for director of our Highlander remake, I went with Lee Wannell. Tell me about Lee Wannell. Or is it Wannell? I think it's Lee Wannell. Uh, apologies. Uh, he started... I, I... Just don't know who this person is. Uh, he got his start with James Wan doing Saw. I believe he was the writer of Saw. And he has come into his own as a director as well. He's made a lot of kind of mid-budget genre pictures over the past few years. His most recent being the the new Invisible Man remake. A few years ago, he made Upgrade. And he's just he's got a really interesting visual style that I think really what Highlander at its core was just like we talked about a big music video. So it needs to be a bit Mm -hmm. stylistic and uh, he's, he's definitely a style got a signature style to him that I think would fit the Highlander world really well. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. That's a good choice. Um, So the two people I went back and forth with Mm -hmm. were uh, Chad Stahelski, which is the director for the John Wick trilogy. Uh But he is going to be he is the director for uh Highlander. Like that's who they're going with for this remake that has been announced. Oh, seriously? <laughs> right yeah. On. So uh so no. Um and the other person who I think makes for a good choice is Gareth Evans, who okay. was the director for The Raid. Yeah, did was he also Rogue One? Did he or was that a different Gareth? I'm not sure. So part of the reason why I went with Gareth Evans was because So I reached out specifically to, again, my friend Zach, who's really good with, like, swords. And I'm like, who would you trust to choreograph and be a good director for sword fights? And he said, well, it's one of these two guys. And then he sent me a short that Gareth Evans uh, directed. Hmm. And it's on YouTube just called Pre-Vis Action. And it's uh, this lone woman swords person, uh, like, being a courier for some sort of message fighting off two other swords uh, uh, swordsmen and it's great and it's epic and I was like well this is basically the movie we want to make okay and that's why I thought Gareth Evans would be fun I do not think he's Rogue One okay I think that's a different uh, I loved the raid and I loved the sequel uh, I, th- yeah, I thought those... he's raid he's the raid 2 he's apostle he's VHS 2 I don't know what that means oh VHS is great it's a uh, it's a um, like an anthology film type like creep show type horror movie uh where it's like three or four different you know the the whole way in is like there's this vhs tape that they have to get a vcr to play and it's each one shows a story like a 15 minute horror short and then mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a lot of fun there's like three or four of them i think he didn't do that when he did the he was on the sequel oh, okay well yeah there's like three or four of them <laughs> yeah it, it's a horror movie of course there are yeah yeah money in the bank so he's tied. He's the rumored director for Deathstroke. They're going to do another raid that he's going to be executive producer on. I don't know what Blister is. So like, he, because it's like the kind of that close action, personal, constant fighting kind of thing. I thought he'd be kind of fun. Yeah, he'd be um, he'd be really great. Um, he'd definitely be great. I've seen most of his movies and I really like them. <laughs> That's fun. That's good. Good person to add to your favorite directors list then. Yeah. And I, and especially if he works with Damon Lindelof. Uh, like Lindelof is going to create this really intricate story, and then uh, Gareth Evans will come and put like a well. Here's what this this scene needs to convey, and here's the story that's going on. Great. Here's the fight that's going to happen in the middle of that. Right, and that's that's and really like, if we're really going to go all out with with uh, sword battles, which I think this definitely definitely mm-hmm. should be. Uh, he's he's the guy. I, and with, as you said, even even if we are adding in the element of superpowers that I think we should add in, I, I think that 
these are more grounded fights as opposed to kind of like the Marvel and even the John Wick style of fighting. Yeah, the John Wick, I loved the first John Wick movie and then slowly it just turned into the sequels slowly devolved into video games and it, it got boring. Oh yeah, that's exactly what they are. Yeah. It, I, st- I still like them, but like I watched them like over the course of a week or something. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, they're fun. They are fun movies. Yeah. They're, you know, it's it's really fun to see. But the old, first one's obviously the best one. Yeah. There's a good old-fashioned revenge pick, kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, the world they established was a lot of fun, but yeah. I don't yeah. Know, just, the more sequels. It just, the, the Part of what makes the first one so great is it's like they hint at this amazing greater world, and then they, in the sequels they start defining this world. I'm like, but now it doesn't make sense because you defined it. Exactly. It's it's not as fun. It's, you know, yeah. it's really not as you fun. Wa- you want to be able to have the conversation be like, but what does it mean? What does this do? Oh, I now I want to know. And then you told me, I'm like, oh. that Yeah. Cool. Now the conversation's over. Right. I will watch those movies forever, but. Yeah, sure. They're they're good, cheesy fun. Yeah. They, yeah. Don't, they don't really make a whole lot of movies like that anymore. So. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, now we have our cast list. So let yes. me take you through it. Highlander, an immortal's journey. <laughs> Connor McCloud is going to be played by Rose Leslie. Her love interest, Sunda Castigar, is going to be Michael B. Jordan. Brenda Wyatt is going to be Naomi Scott. Kurgan will be Drew McIntyre. Ramirez, who, uh, Egyptian by way of Spain, is going to be <laughs> Regina King. Heather, who we renamed... Uh, Hector. Hector. Hector is uh, Richard Madden. Rachel Ellenstein, who we didn't rename, but whatever. Uh, Amy Chang. Uh, then our Lieutenant Moran is going to be John C. McGinley. And the captain will be Tom Atkins. All of this will be written by Damon Lindelof and directed by Gareth Evans. That is the remake of Highlander. An immortal's journey. <laughs> oh, what? A, those, those pesky immortals. What a journey it is. Yeah. So, you going to sign up for uh, whenever this starts streaming so we don't have to go see it in a gross, filthy theater? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely <laughs> am going to uh, get the, uh, let's see, what what studio hasn't launched an app yet? Um, that, uh, make... Just just Viacom. Let's go, let's go with MGM. I'll, I'll buy it on the MGM app. Oh, God. The Lion? The Lion. I think, uh, actually, I think MGM does own Highlander. <laughs> oh, well, that's appropriate then. Yeah. All right, fun. Thank you so much for helping me remake uh, Highlander. It was a blast. (laughs) (laughs) Apologies for all the breaks. Oh, no worries. Uh, It was a blast. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. My always good. I'm assuming I'm going to need to have you back on in a couple months anyway because it's almost October. Oh yes, we we can talk. And if I remember correctly, yeah, if I remember correctly, you wanted to talk about a horror movie of some kind in October, and I'm down. Okay. I'll have to figure... I'll have to dial it back. I don't remember which one it was. Hmm. Uh, I may have written it down. Nope. Sure didn't. Anyway, uh, for people who haven't listened to your remake of American Presidents... I never remember the name of the movie. Oh, no. My Fellow Americans. My Fellow Americans. My Fellow Americans, Monster Squad, or Blade Runner... I think we did Beetlejuice. There was another one. We did Beetlejuice. And Beetlejuice. Yeah, Yeah, Beetlejuice. This is your fifth time on the show. (laughs) Uh, If anyone hasn't listened to any of those episodes, and they should go back and listen to them because every single one of them is great, tell people a little bit more about yourself and where they can find you online. Uh, Well, I am 
currently working as a composer, uh, just doing you know horror movies and short and stuff like that. Other than that, uh, I was also writing. Had a number of projects stalled because of COVID. So just uh, yeah, trying to trying to chase the work that I that I do get. You can find me on Instagram at Kev Most Stellar, uh, and also on Twitter at the same handle if you're interested. Yeah. Don't really have anything else to promote. Oh, I do. We I just did the score for this little thriller that's coming out called Stark Raving Actress. Uh, that's uh, that's going to be a fun little movie. I can't can't wait for you guys to see that one. That's yeah, cool. Love it. Good name. Yeah, it's really fun. One of the best dark comedies I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Good. All right. Yeah, I'm down. Fun. Um, if you want to follow me, I'm on Twitter at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H, or follow the podcast on Instagram at Ideal Remake, or join us on Facebook, Ideal Remake or Ideal Remake Podcast. Or, if you don't mind, if it wouldn't be too much to ask, if, if you could take some time from me, your good friend Sam, and go and leave us a five-star review. It would be really good, and it genuinely helps people find the podcast through whatever algorithm recommendation things that the... Uh, uh, that uh, the podcatchers uh, deem fit. Yes. <laughs> so normally, normally I ask people to say what they're ask. I ask them what their favorite quote is from the movie. But I feel like there's only one thing you can say from this movie, and we both need to shout it at the top of our lungs. Okay, ready? Are you ready? Ready. Three, two, one. There can be only one. <laughs> that was better than what I was gonna do. I love it. There can only be one. <laughs> ah, you have to shave my head, shave my head. Yeah, with your sword. Yeah. yeah. Also, if you're assembling your sword and it you put it together in the middle and it clicks in a place, you have structurally weakened your sword and it is a bad sword. I know. I like every time I watch him clicking that thing together, I'm like, so it's just like a series of mechanisms that holds that thing like and what's crazy is it's the same design of the sword he had a bajillion years ago. Because, like, you see him wielding the same sword in all of his fights. All of them. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he either got it specially made or he's had the same sword with him for a, for thousands of years. And then he had the sword cut in half, which means that the sword is ruined. Yeah, pretty much. Hey, half sword will travel, man. It was the 80s. You can put it yeah. back together. Yeah. All right, man. I love it. <laughs> all right, cool. Thank you so much, Kevin. Yeah. This was... Fun as always. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.